When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Yeah, man, the Argos making a game of it after I spent the first half hour of the show telling you how terrible they are and that they should be thrown out of the league. Nine minutes left in the third quarter. Winnipeg 20, Toronto 13. Prospects just getting underway against Yorkton. Stingers just getting underway against Fraser Valley. FC Edmonton won last night 2-0 over Halifax. 1932 by Bateman Open. Hayden Buckley with a one-shot lead, 8-under-63. Edmonton's Will Bateman, a 4-under-67. He is tied for 18th, a pretty solid round for him. Uh, of course, Greg Ellingson, Eskimos receiver, not expected to play on Saturday against the Calgary Stampeders. That one is on 6.30, Chad, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game is at 5, both teams coming in at 4-2. and two. Uh, You've heard a lot from Dave Tippett over the last couple of the days. He spoke yesterday at the Mark Spector Golf Classic at the Quarry. And Speck asked a question about goals against, cutting those down, and he stressed the penalty kill. The Oilers' penalty kill was putrid, 74.8% this past season. They allowed 62 power play goals against. If they could cut that down to, say, you know, around 45 or so, their penalty kill would be around 80%. So they could potentially say, I mean, if they, if they, if they approve by 15 or 20 goals against killing penalties they'll probably have a middle-of-the-pack penalty kill. Is that realistic? Can the goaltenders help? Two of the bigger questions going into the season. As we bring Mark Spector aboard. Mark, thanks for making time for me. How's it going? It's going real good, Reed. Uh, nice day today. Kind of day after a big tournament. Relaxing a little bit. And uh, listening to your show. How's things going for you? Things are going very well. And I appreciate you checking in. And I, uh, I appreciate you inviting me to play in the tournament yesterday. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Dave Tippett got, of course, the uh, one softball question about joining Sports Central as an ambassador, and then we grilled him for 10 minutes. <laughs> and, he, and even you jumped in there as the tournament host. You were like, no, no, Dave, you're not getting away. Let's just, let's just touch on that first. To me, the biggest question mark about the team is, and that there are many, there are many it's still the goaltending because I'm going off what they did last year. And yes, they need better save percentage on the penalty kill, but can they do it? So I'm wondering your biggest question mark for the oil. Well, you know, the one thing that we found in Edmonton over the last many years is sometimes it's hard to judge a goaltender because the the quality of chances is so high. Mm-hmm. And you think, man, he's letting in a lot of goals, but you watch the chances. Sometimes you think, well, he didn't have a chance on that one, didn't have a chance on that one. But as Tippett said yesterday, you know, the, the PK, he thought there's a lot of goals he's seen where he thought the PK wasn't so bad, but the goalie let something in he shouldn't let in. So I'm not always sure, Reed, 
if it's the goalie's fault or the you know or the team in front of them's fault. Like it's all I know is the puck's in the net too much on this team. And I think in 2017, we all watched this team succeed and 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 have a good year and play well. And they didn't score a ton more goals, but they they allowed a whole bunch less. I mean, wasn't it like 65 less goals than the year before? Yeah. So the the, the path to success. I'm not saying they're winning a Stanley Cup if they let in less goals, but I'm telling you they're not going to make the playoffs if they don't get controls of their uh, get control of their goals against. It's got to come down. Well, and I remember Todd McClellan the first year he was here, and kind of the first time I talked to him, you know, sort of when you get him aside or after a media scrum, he he said he said you can be a below average offensive team and make the playoffs. New York Islanders were 22nd in goals for, Dallas was 29th, mm-hmm. but they were 1-2 in goals against, so guess what? They got in. The Oilers were 20th in goals for, but 25th in goals against, so you're not getting in with uh, with that formula. Hey, tell me, uh, just t- tell me a little bit about getting tip on board for for Sports Central and your golf classic yesterday. You're the, the sixth one you've had now. Sports Central's obviously been going a lot, a lot longer, but it's just, it's a very incredible positive day and a very incredible positive program overall i find yeah thanks for that it it, it really is we you know this is something that started so long ago like 27 years ago we all grew up watching tiger Goldstick. you know he was involved and wilf brooks over united cycle and you know uh it started when when todd mccullough came to town and ken hitchcock phoned him and said you know i i don't live in edmonton anymore and i think you should jump in with Sports Central, and the next thing I know, my phone rang, and it was Todd McCollum saying, Hitch says I'm supposed to phone you, what do I do? <laughs> so, Todd became our ambassador for, you know, the three years that he was in town, and when he, you know, left uh, and Tippett came in, I, I approached Tippett, and I said, Dave, here's our website, here's what we do, here's who we are, and he went away, and he looked at things, and he, he got a flavor for it, I probably made a couple phone calls, and he phoned me back. He says, I like what we're doing here. I gave him a tour of the place. He said, this is the kind of thing I want to be involved in. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about the guy over the last, just heading to this golf tournament. Reed, I knew Dave Kippett from being around hockey. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And he said to me before this tournament, he says, whatever you need, just say the word. And we did that scrum yesterday. He flew in here to golf. He went back to Minnesota this morning to have a little bit of summer. And, you know, he's a guy that when he makes a commitment, uh, he follows through on it, and that's the kind of guy I like. And I, I, I always give this out, and the, the people who have heard this this week, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying it again because I want them all to know this web address, sportscentral.org, or if you Google it, Sports Central. There's no S. It's all one word. Gently use sporting equipment. You can get all the drop-off locations if you, if you, or if you're able to donate a little bit of cash. Don't hesitate because that's how it starts. Whether you're uh, Alfonso Davies or Dave Tippett didn't own his own pair of skates, new skates. Yeah. They were all hand-me-downs till he was 11 or 12. So just just remember that if you, if you got something you're not using, a son, daughter, niece, niece nephew isn't using anymore, uh, you can find a home for it. Spec, we, you, I, I know you're on with Bob every week. Uh, so whenever you and I do this, especially in the summer, we have to talk CFL because we both still have a huge passion for it. Uh, a couple a couple guys I'm going to just tee up for, and then I'll let you get back, get back to your night off. Uh, Trey Roberson was on the show in the last half hour. Five picks already this season for the Stamps, and he's the grandson of the late, great Larry Hybaugh, who you would have remembered very well. 
I grew up watching Larry Highball. I mean, I can remember the days when, when the Montreal Alouettes would come to town with Johnny Rogers, and it was a big deal because they were the two fastest guys in the league, Highball and Rogers, and they were both the great return men. And it was a, it was one of those nights where you didn't miss a punt return or a kickoff return because both those guys were trying to run them back. And I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I know I sound old now, but when I was a kid, Larry Highball used to come to your junior high. He would play volleyball against your entire volleyball team all by himself and win. <laughs> <laughs> he beat your volleyball team as a one-man team. <laughs> so, you know, he was. I mean, he was just such a thrill. He was Gizmo before Gizmo was Gizmo, right? And uh, as an old Eskimo fan like I was, you know, growing up, number 13, man, everybody knew Larry Highball. He had a running shoe store in Meadowlark Mall, and those were the days when guys lived here, and they played many, many years here. And uh, uh, you know what? We lost Larry Highball a couple of years ago, and that really sort of, I don't know, man, it's a piece of your youth as an Edmonton kid, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I was joking a couple of weeks ago that, that pro athletes, as you and I know, they're they're all alpha males. And it's always funny sometimes you read a profile of an NBA player, an NFL player, or even some hockey players, and they get the question, what would have you been doing if you weren't in the NBA, for example? Oh, I would have been right. an NFL tight end. Like, they just think it's so – but most of them, they couldn't have played another sport. But I feel with Larry Highball, I would have been like, yeah, what sport do you want me to play professionally? I can probably do it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was that superior of an athlete, for sure. Oh. He was a track man out of Indianapolis, right, a football player. He played basketball. I watched him play volleyball. He was fabulous. No, you're right. He was an all-every-sport guy, for sure. Okay, and the last one, and he's my next guest, and, and we're going to be talking about a trade between Edmonton and Calgary in hockey this season and who won it. I know the Eskimos won this trade in the CFL uh, leading into the 1984 season. Uh, Danny Bass is coming up next on the show. Danny Bass. What was the trade for Danny Bass? I think it was for uh, Scott. For um, it was, Out of Winnipeg for Tom Scott? I think so. Or they, the Eskimos had Tom Scott. They got him from Winnipeg. Yes, I think that's Joe what Poplowski, it was. Yeah. And then they sent Tommy Scott somewhere for Danny Bass. I don't even remember where. Maybe yeah, Calgary. Calgary. I think it was Calgary. Yeah. And yeah, oh, Danny Bass, man. He was... You know what? He was basically Danny Kepley after Danny Kepley wasn't Danny Kepley anymore, right? Danny Bass was a, oh boy, what a linebacker he was. Like, he was in the old 4-3 system where he was the middle linebacker. And, you know, the CFL's got a long history uh, in those days of some great middle linebackers, and Danny was one of them. Boy, he was a hard rock, tough, hard-nosed player that didn't you didn't want to mess with him. And long good years as an Eskimo, eh? And then long-time Edmontonian, I believe. Is he not still here? Yeah, he's still here. He's com- He's not just yeah. on the show. He's coming in studio. Hey, yeah, there you this, go. This is, great. Boy. this is great. All right, well, don't get on his wrong side, Reed, because he's probably still pretty tough. No, and I cannot take a hit, as you know. Uh, <laughs> Speck, thank you for doing this. I, I know uh, you're get, trying to get a little R&R here after all the hard work you did for the tournament, and then hockey's right around the corner. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on. All right, thanks for having me, Reed. Take care. That is Sportsnet's Mark Spector, the Mark Spector Golf Classic yesterday at the Quarry. It was a great day, a great day for Sports Central for sure. Okay. See, Kellen, I told you this was going to happen. Here come the Argos. (laughs) It's 2020 with seven minutes left in the third quarter. And uh, are you able to watch the game in there? I am not. No, our, t- our we had a bit of a power outage actually about mm-hmm. 20 minutes ago. Uh, where we didn't go off the air, the lights are back on, but we're not getting TV, so I'm just falling online. But uh, the. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Argos have tied at 20-20 against Winnipeg. It's seven sixteen, and yes, as we said, Dan Bass up next. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So that's that's really what the Toronto Argos and their faithful needed, Kellen. A full half hour of me mocking the team. Since then, they've outscored Winnipeg 27, and it's and it's 2020. Dan, Dan Bass is here. This. Probably laughing on the inside at a media guy. No, I'm good. <laughs> How's it going? I'm doing good, thank you. It's it's uh it's great to see you. Thanks for coming in studio. Uh, man, first of all, I, I will say this: we we are really lucky to have so many Eskimo alumni who have stayed in Edmonton and area, and guys like you and Randy Spencer and Jed Roberts and I could go on and on. Who will just come in and do the talk show? Just. But you know that's part of the Eskimos. They expected us. They wanted us to live here. And that was the best thing that they, they when, when I got traded from Calgary to here was, they said the first thing is when you're moving your family here, we want you to live here. And mm-hmm. and that became home for us. Well, and so you retired, what, 91? 91, yeah. And you never went anywhere else? Nope, didn't. I love it up here. I love the fishing, the hunting. Alberta has everything that I need, and, and my kids love it here, and they're all here as well. Uh, uh, this is going to make uh, some fans feel a little uh, of a certain vintage. Uh, how old are you now? I think I'm 61. 61, Dad <laughs> Bass. That's, 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 that's great. Well, you look like you could still play. Are you still pretty athletic or active? No. I'm, uh, <laughs> I just try to look the part, and that's about it. When my playing days were done, uh, I felt good about it. Played 12 years, and, and it's a mental thing that's it's the you know the tough you you know your body can't take it and and uh it it, it tells you it's time to, to hang it up and and i never look back did you get out of it with any without any lingering issues or do you have some pain no uh that was the one thing i'm probably the most proud of is i i never had any serious injuries i you know i don't have any problem getting out of bed in the morning sure i'm 61 i, I get a little stiff every now and then but uh i feel good i got no uh knee operations no zipper marks on the knees and uh yeah, I've been pretty lucky, and I had good coaches that said, you know, most people get hurt around the pile. Why don't you be in the pile? And I kind of figured, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, so keep things simple is the way I try doing things. Well, in defensive players, you, you usually get to deliver a few hit more hits than you take if you're doing your job properly. Well, it's, it's better to hit people than have them hit <laughs> you, so that's why you can play a little bit longer maybe. A lot of offensive. I've, I've talked to a lot of de- defensive players who switch from offense, and many of them say, oh, I realized that I'd, I'd, I'd be the one giving the hits if I moved to the other side of the ball. Maybe it's not the same level of glory but uh but they, they realize the contact was a little different it is defense it's, it's nice to lay the hit out when they're not expecting it or the running back or quarterback uh obviously that's always a goal to get a good hit on the quarterback to let him know that you're there and it's going to be a tough night for him what are you up to these days uh i work at lakewood chevrolet i've been a car uh sales manager there since uh 88 and uh 
had uh, Pat Healy at that time was uh, the store owner, and Brian Kelly worked there, and he got me over there, and then I retired in 91 and took over the Hyundai store, owned that for 12 years, and Pat said, you're too young, so I came back over and worked for, came back and worked for Lakewood, and it's, it's been a great thing. Wow, that's amazing. That that is, and so you were you started this while you were still playing. Yeah, I did because I realized, uh, you know, with football it doesn't go on forever, and that there there is things that you're going to need to do outside of it. And uh, you know, coming from Lansing, Michigan, uh, the car business is quite big back then. Oldsmobile was there, and uh, so I I did that in '84. Uh, the first year I went back during the off season and, and sold cars, and I kind of liked it. And my thing was during the football season, I play football mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, Lakewood, they gave me the opportunity to just come there during the off-season to sell cars, and I did that. And then when the season started, I was back and playing football. When you retired, was – I mean, you've already said you, you were comfortable with it when you retired from football, but when the next season started and then – you know, sports is very black or white. You win or you lose. Day-to-day life isn't isn't like that, and you can't be competitive maybe in the same way you could be in a football game. Did you have to work around that? Was that an issue for you? You're in the car business. It's um, <laughs> you're. Uh, I look at it as, uh, you know, for us we have uh, 12 games. Every month is a game, and how'd you do? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, did you have a winning record or not? And uh, you try to use that in. I use that in the car business, and uh, that's why I think we've been so successful with it. Okay, well that's interesting how you just. You're able to use that mentality in your next walk of life. Well, you have your uh, competition. You have your rivalries. There's certain, you know, just like playing football, there's certain uh, teams you don't like, just like certain stores, and you use that whatever you can to fuel the fire. All right. Speaking of teams you didn't like, you were on uh, both sides of the Battle of Alberta, Calgary early in your career, and then the bulk of your career, I guess, three qu- two-thirds of your career uh, as an Eskimo. How much did you enjoy just... I loved every minute of it. I mean, <laughs> it was fun to play. You always look for the, the better teams to play against. You look forward to that to, to get you up for the game. And when I played in Calgary, I looked forward to playing the Eskimos because they were the best. And uh, and then when the trade came, um, I looked at payback. You traded me, which I kind of forced the issue, but I wanted them to prove a point that uh, you should have stuck with me. I mean, this obviously isn't Labor Day on Saturday, but we're just over a month away when they're going to play again in Calgary. How did it feel on Labor Day as as a player? You know what I'm getting at? It's it's you know for uh, for an athlete that's the, you look for those games. That is probably the biggest game of the year. You're trying to set your uh, you know where you're going to be for the uh, season. Like how are you competing against the other good teams? And uh, and trust me, they keep score, and we always kept score. Who's winning? What? Who's doing what? So it was always the the, the more or less just to uh, to make a stamp on it and say, hey, we're we're going to win these games, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, but it, it sounds like for you, a, a Calgary game was different, Labor Day oh, or not. It, it was, was always different. Yeah. It, it 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 always was because it, it it was the rivalry. You know, both teams didn't didn't like each other, and the towns don't really like each other. So, <laughs> I mean, it was perfect for that, and uh, and and it was just great. And then when you played back to back, it makes it a little bit more funner because if things didn't work out for you, you had to set the the turn the tables, the set them, say, hey, that was a fluke. Now we're gonna try and beat you by more, and 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 use that to to pull vote you into the the rest of the season. Was there ever Anything when you're playing a rival like that and Labor Day super exciting, did you ever have to feel to yourself, okay, I have all this energy, but I got to channel it or rein it in? Or did you ever have a teammate where you had to say, hey, man, like, I know you're hyped, but it, 
you're you're gonna have no energy left after five minutes if you don't dial this down a bit. During the week, you can see certain players, and that's where some of the veterans will. They've been there. They'll try and take the the young rookie under their arm and say, "Okay, you got to calm down." You know, you can see practice. The tempo's going too too fast, too quickly. Everybody's getting a little nasty with each other. There's fights breaking out, and you just got to calm it down because you cannot keep it up for that whole week. You'll you'll burn out, and you just. As you play, you learn that and, and try and teach the other players on the team that, hey, okay, we got three days left to go. We're okay. Just relax. Get to know your stuff. So when the game time comes, we know what we're doing. Let it all out on the field. Okay, here's a fun one for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. Which Calgary Stampeder did you hate the most? As a player, not as a human being, because maybe you got to know him later, but as a player. Well, I remember... Uh, <laughs> Lloyd Fairbanks, uh, and this was actually before when I was in Toronto. Uh, we came and played Calgary, and we 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 we, we were losing, and um, it was about two minutes to go in the game, and uh, the coaches come up and says we're going full bore, and usually with you know the teams will come up and tell the offense you know the offense will come up and say hey we're just going to snap the ball and let it be well we told them we're coming no matter what because the coaches gave the order so and I don't think they believed us whatever but anyway they snapped the ball and I shot in the gap and hit the quarterback knocked him down and next thing I know Lloyd Fairbanks is just giving me the boot he's just kicking the hell out of me and I'm on he's the ground you? he's kicking me I'm on the ground and I'm like hey dude we told you we're coming and I guess they didn't believe us and then it was two weeks later I was traded uh, to Calgary and the first guy I met was Lloyd Fairbanks he goes hey are we cool I says yeah we're good I told you we're coming that's amazing that is amazing Dan Bass is in studio one of the all-time greats for Edmonton Eskimos if you got a question or a memory uh, for Dan you can text 630-630 he would love to hear from you we'll go over some other memories from uh, his career we'll talk about the current edition of the Eskimos and some other things going on in the CFL all ahead on Inside Sports Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. 14 minutes left in Toronto. The Argos and Bombers tied at 20. At one point, it was 20 nothing for Winnipeg. Down at uh, Remax Field tonight, no score, bottom of the first, with Edmonton taking on... Did, we, did the power just go out again, Kellen? It did. We're still broadcasting, but some of the other uh, power went out, so we got some gremlins in the in the building today. And uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League... Oh, by the way, that game's scoreless in the bottom of the first, the baseball game. Canadian Elite Basketball League, the Edmonton Stingers looking for their ninth consecutive victories. It is a ninth consecutive win. It is 38-30 for the Stingers, two minutes into the uh, second quarter. So we'll keep you updated on those. Dan Bass is in studio. Luke says, uh, love your guest, Dan Bass. He, Kepley, and Ruck, three of the best middle linebackers in Eskimos history and uh, some of the greatest CFL players of all time. Well, you know what? He didn't even mention Willie Pless. <laughs> he was a hell of a ball player. He and, was a very uh, good ball player. And, and Sherritt just retired and for some reason decided yeah. to go and help Calgary on the coaching Yeah, staff. I don't know what happened there. That was kind of, <laughs> you know. That's been, that's been, I mean, look, for most of the Eskimos' history, there was, you know, a, a gap after Ricky Ray, but for most of Eskimos' history, they've had a good quarterback. 
and they've had a good middle linebacker. And for most of Eskimos' history, they've had a pretty good team. Well, that's kind of the combination. I think you look at it, you have to have, you know, the somebody on defense, and you got to have that quarterback that can lead you and, and, and help your team score. So it's a good combination, and that's, uh, you know, I think the Eskimos have always done a very good job about that is they look at it and go, okay, who can be the next person? And, you know, like when I retired, uh, Willie Plus like, was coming in, and, and he came in and did a hell of a job. All right. <laughs> We're, we're, Kellen, are we still going? I, well, we're going to just go like we're on air because the, the board in front of me is going off like a Christmas tree. Huh. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got some... Uh, you know what? I, I think that the, the, the power fairies in the building are so scared they're going to get hit by Dan Bass that they're trying to leave the building. <laughs> Good point. You're still a fearsome presence. No, but anyway. Uh, but you, start, you, you came to the Eskimos, but you weren't in the middle your first year. Yeah, my first year, uh, they brought me in, and, and going into training camp, they said, you're going to play outside. And, and I was a little upset with that because, you know, I made the all-star team the last two years as a middle linebacker. But looking back at it, I think they 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 wanted to keep uh, me and Kepley, like uh, we wouldn't hate each other. Like I heard stories about Kep and, uh, you know, would we get along? Same thing about the, the Eskimo locker room. Would be would they adopt you and would they welcome you to the team? And, you know, there was guys like Cutler, Tommy Towns, and those guys, they, they just open arms and boom, they, they welcomed you in. And uh, they said, I'm going to play outside. And I remember during the year, I said, I'd play for free if I could get back in the middle. And mm-hmm. uh, it took a year. They just didn't want any competition just between me and Cap, and I remember Tommy Towns coming up to me and in the middle of the game he'd go hey DB let's switch I'll play outside you play in the middle they'll never know the difference you know and I just wasn't <laughs> didn't feel comfortable I said no you play the middle I'll play the outside Dan Kepley I mean some of the stories about him his reputation that his pain threshold was well perhaps he never reached it uh, what was he like as a teammate <laughs> You know, he was a very intense player. I mean, that's where it is. He demanded everybody's respect, and, and he had that. I mean, the guy won five Grey Cups and uh, was a hell of a hitter, hell of a defensive player. And, uh, you know, coming into as a new player, I knew this was his team. Uh, so we had got along very well, and there was never any problems. I heard, you know, stories that we would get in fights at bars and things like that, and I'm going, like, where do people hear these things? Like, we get along fine. And uh, and it was never like that. And then uh, kept retired the, the following year after, and then I went back in the middle. Yeah. Uh, six-time CFL All-Star. You're in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, uh, 1989 Defensive Player of the Year in the Canadian Football League. So you pretty impressive resume as a player. Um, let's let's talk about some some of the highs and lows, and I'll put these. I'll kind of group these together because the '86 Grey Cup, you guys were favored, and I remember like just everything went wrong for the Eskimos, or or every bounce went Hamilton's way, depending on how you look at it. And then an all-time classic the next year, you beat Toronto on a last-minute field goal in '87, uh, and and that's remembered for the Giz run back as well. You had to bring up '86, huh? Well, I just thought, you know, the, the compare. <laughs> you know, some things you try to forget. <laughs> I mean, that was, we were favored, and uh, we had some issues uh, off the field, uh, if I recall, and uh, it took a little bit away from the team, and... Uh, 
and they came out and they were ready to play and we weren't and we got our butts tanned and and that's the worst feeling going into the Grey Cup and uh, not playing your best game and you you know that's something if both of you are playing well hey it made the best team win but it's it's a really sickening feeling to, uh, afterwards to go back and say we didn't play our game we didn't mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we prepared well uh, they knew exactly what we were doing. Uh, on defense, I remember, you know, you'd always try and change it up uh, so the offense would not know what you're doing. And at that time, they used to call it uh, trips or five-pack or whatever, and it means, you know, three receivers on one side, two on the other side. Well, we kept the same game plan going for the last three years or last three weeks, and we went into it, and they they, they ran that first play, and they knew what we were doing, and then they did things that we didn't think they could do, like they'd run. Uh, the fullback was supposed to go to the strong side to block Stewart Hill, well, he was stepping weak to see if what we would do. Well, nobody had him from man to man. They threw a screen to him. He was wide open, and uh, they 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 did their homework, and we didn't. All right, eighty-seven. There's the positive memory. I mean, like I said, uh, great game. Now, were you were you guys fueled by the eighty-six game all through eighty-seven? Oh yeah, you look for that to uh, to motivate and, and you know to be so close and not win it. But there's also some things when a game is close, you don't want to happen again and be known as losing two in a row. Right. Uh, but you know when you have a guy like Gizmo, he ran back that uh, missed field goal back for I don't know if it was 97 yards, yeah, it was, 99 it was a yards. Long way. Uh, it's amazing how quickly that will spark a team uh, and get you going again. And they talk about how important a special team. They say, you know, a defense can. Return a touchdown or interception or fumble for a touchdown. It doesn't really do much, or but they say a special team is probably the most disheartening for a team. And 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 I think that we definitely took the air out of their wings when he scored that. See, I, I know you gave me a hard time, but asking about '86. But this is what I found doing those job. I I always get the more detailed emotional answers about the losses. I really feel yeah. high level competitive athletes take the losses harder more than the joy of the wins. Oh, I really have found that. They do. They, it's 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 just the way it is because you're always looking to get better. And, uh, you know, I think most people, they go back at it and they look and say, yeah, we could have won three, you know, but we didn't. We only won one. So I, you don't want me to ask about 89 then? Well, 80, no, 89, we did that for the league. We had to lose that game <laughs> oh, to geez. let Saskatchewan yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> to, get, to get to have a great cup. They, that was only their second one at the time. Yeah, I know. And so, uh, But they, they were a good team. They, they got healthy at the right time, and it was a good game. I've talked to a lot of guys about that game. and Because, uh, again, you guys were 16-2. and two. Sask was 9-9. Nine and nine. They'd kind of stunned Calgary. And I think there was a play... Uh, a quarterback or running back went the wrong way on a handoff early and everybody just got that oh no type feeling are we ready today do you remember what I'm talking about you would have been on the bench obviously well I remember just before the half we were up 10 to 3 and we were we thought that was okay and then I think Tracy got sacked and uh, uh, he fumbled the ball and I think Eddie Lowe picked it up and scored the touchdown and then we went in halftime tied 10-10 and I think you know uh, that hurt us a little bit because then we realized you, you put the pressure on yourself that hey we can't lose this this game we're supposed to be the best team it's ever played in the CFL 16 and two, and and I think we played uh, you know a little bit more cautious that year. We were a blitzing defense. We went at you no matter what. Didn't care 
what offense you're in. We were coming, and uh, and and I think same thing offensively. We called things a little bit different. We played too tight. We end up losing the game. Yeah. Uh, Vince writes in. He says, you can, "Can you ask Dan why teams make so many player changes every year? Nowadays, it seems like there's so many changes. No chance for fans to get to know players, and it sucks." That is from Vince. Well, I mean, footballs are large rosters, so they're. There's, I, I will say this to Vince, there's probably more changes from back in the day than you remember, but the Eskimos did have a pretty good core of guys that, that hung around. They did, and but that's part of the club. Um, you know, they expected the players to live up here, and I think that's where you build that community uh, where then, you know, we're going out doing schools, doing public speakings and things like that, but this becomes home. Where if they would have let me, if Norm Kimball would have not told me to, to buy a house here in Edmonton, I would have went back home, and, and maybe Edmonton would not have been my home, but they expected the ball players to live up here. And by doing that, later on in their career, they're not looking to move their family. Their kids are in school. You know, they're looking going, hey, I, I can go make a little bit more money going someplace else. But you're looking going, is it worth moving, uh, right. uprooting the family? And that's why I thought the Eskimos did such a good job with. Dan Bass joining us in studio, uh, one of the all-time greats for the Edmonton Eskimos, former middle linebacker. When you watch defenses nowadays... What do you think the biggest change is, if anything? Maybe there isn't a big one from from when you played. It, it's kind of hard. I have a hard time. I remember the first couple of games I went to after I retired. It seemed like the game changed so much. And not watching game film. Like, I almost felt kind of naked. Like, I, I didn't know what the other team was doing because I didn't break down film. I didn't know what they were doing. And that was kind of hard to set up in the stands and watch it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very frustrating uh, because you're always trying to pick out, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And uh, where I think today, um, you know, the game is, it has changed so much that it's kind of hard to follow. But the game will change, but then it'll come back and do certain things. Like I'm surprised, you know, when I first got in the CFL, how quarterbacks used to always sprint out to the wide side of the field. You put so much pressure on that rush end that he had to keep contained. And things have changed, but uh, it's good. It's fast moving, uh, but it's it's kind of hard to sit back and not study the film. And that's the thing that I love to do was breaking down film, studying, and, and you knew exactly what the team was going to do. Okay, great transition into what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Jed Roberts has been on the show several times over the last few years. Entertaining guy. You guys crossed over. And, and he he tells stories about watching game film. And it, the, the story in his mind is that he would go to your place and you had stacks of VHS tapes and you'd be, okay, now we're watching this. And he would, he, Jed says he would fall asleep and you'd still be watching film. Now, is this exaggerated in his mind or what's your version? No, the, the young rookies, you're trying to adopt them. You're trying to teach them what it takes to be a good ball player and stuff. And it, it does. You have to, to work yourself up to it. But that was just part of getting ready. Is And I would not feel comfortable if I did not know. I felt like I was letting the team down. If you know if they came out with a uh, certain formation, I had to change their audible or not knowing the play because you realize they look at you and and it's kind of nice when you start barking out a play and you see the quarterback looking at you like how does he know they're going to run that? It, it is a good feeling to have so that. So you were that in tune with what the other offense was doing sometimes? Yes. I mean, you, you wouldn't know the name of the play. Obviously. No, you I wouldn't know, know but you, you knew what play it was. We played Calgary one year, and, you know, it was Calgary, so I had to get up for the game. But they, they had a, a, a play where they ran a screen, and it was killing teams. They were just killing teams with a screen, and we'd watch it and watch and you know, probably after 10 hours of film, all of a sudden you went, wait a minute. 
and we saw where the backfield, uh, the run running back, the fullback maybe would step back, you know, a half a foot than when he normally lined up. And we went, wait a minute, run that in the back again. And back then we didn't have where you could just run that play. You'd have to watch another hour of film till you saw the next screen. <laughs> so that was, these guys got it made today. But anyway, so we got it, and then all of a sudden we found a clue. And we went, there it is. And that's where it was. And I remember Calgary ran the first play, the first time they ran it. I blitzed through and hit the running back before he even caught the ball. And they're yelling for a flag. You know, because passer interference, he goes, well, it's behind the line of scrimmage. It's legal. Yeah. And the coach is looking at me going, why didn't you intercept the ball? Well, I wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted them to make sure that I knew that I knew that play. And the funny thing is they knew it, and they never ran that play again because they knew we had a key. They knew there was something. We saw something. We knew that play was coming. Okay, so... I, I, I watch, I love watching, I watch more pro football. I don't watch, watch a lot of college. So I'll watch a CFL game. I'll watch an NFL game. And you'll see a defensive player shoot into the backfield or knock down a pass or make, or make a great play. And the commentators will say, well, what a great athletic play. But are you sitting there thinking, no, 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 no. He just knew what was coming. That's why he got there so fast. Sometimes, it's both. Sometimes okay. it is. He knew what it was. Or sometimes maybe it was a, a, a blitz called or the defensive play was called. But you can usually see it in the linebacker's eyes that if he he knew what that play was. His, his first step, he, he's he's already he's making an aggressive step. He knows what that play is. And, you know, I remember watching uh, Sherrod, uh, you know, when everybody was Tell me, watch a defensive player. Don't watch the game. Don't try and watch it as a linebacker anymore. And and I remember watching him, and and he made a hell of a nice play. And I looked at what he knew what that play was. He knew what the play was before. And he, and he almost made came back and made another great play on that at the time. But it was I knew, and then I loved watching him because I knew he watched the film, he studied it, he knew what that play was. So, it, it are some guys just more naturally able to pick up stuff on film, though, or can any any football player learn that? Well, any football player can, but it takes the dedication, the time. Some players, you know, you have uh, the difference between good and great is not much, but it's are you willing to put that time in to uh, to, be, to be the best or out there? And some guys will maybe watch an hour. We used to always force guys, hey, we're in Watson film. Now, I don't expect them to be there four hours and watch some film like we would normally do before uh, practice, but we did expect them to come in and watch. And then as they went in, we would try and go through the short steps and say, okay, here's the keys, and try to help them so they would educate. And and then eventually, if they took to it, then they would come in and start watching plays because obviously the more players you had in watching, you got more eyes on it, you're able to pick up plays a little bit quicker. So would you ever have to tell a teammate, either an offensive or defensive teammate, hey, quit doing this, you're you're tipping off the other guys? Because certainly if you were going to blitz, you didn't want to look the same way as if you were dropping, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, we think we're perfect out there. And... uh, (laughs) You know, and, I, and we were talking about that, and I says, "Geez, you know, I, I, I have a hard time. How does the offensive lineman know when you're blitzing?" I says, "You know, when I'm up there faking it, you know, they don't say a word. They don't don't even bark up my number. Other than that, when I'm up there and I'm blitzing, they go 30's coming, 30's coming.'" And I go, "How in the hell did they know?" And the one offensive lineman looked at me and goes, "Okay, when you are fake blitzing, are you looking at the quarterback or the ball?" I goes, I'm looking at the quarterback because I, I got to see the play. And, and I yeah. know. He said, when you're blitzing, what are you looking at? I goes, I'm looking at the ball to get the jump. He goes, there you go. 
And that was so hard to break that habit after you knew you were given away by looking at the ball and you try and fake and get back up. But it was a hard thing to do. We all have habits and, and things that the other teams pick up to. we got to take a quick timeout and we'll wrap it up with Dan Bass here in Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, Edmonton Stingers looking good going after their ninth consecutive win at halftime. They lead Fraser Valley 58-43 at the Expo Centre. The uh, Edmonton Prospects taking on Yorkton tonight, and that game is uh, still scoreless early on. The Prospects a game and a half out of the playoffs with seven games left in their season. Hayden Buckley the leader after the first round of the 1932 by Bateman Open at the Country Club. Will Bateman from Edmonton tied for 18th. He is four shots off the lead. Pretty solid 67 for him tonight. Blue Jays taking it to the Orioles. It's 9-2 in the bottom of the eighth. And uh, the CFL game tonight, just under four minutes left. Winnipeg leading Toronto 27-21. Well, actually, now down to about three minutes left. Uh, Dan Bass has been kind enough to come into studio tonight, one of the all-time uh, Eskimos greats. Uh, well, your name's up on that wall. Yeah. And Ricky's going up? Yeah, Ricky's going up. Larry Ruck's up there, which is kind of nice to see your linebackers, Kepley, uh, Willie Plus, And, uh, you know, it's just... It's nice to be part of those players that are up there because, you know, you have a special bond and you know what it took, how much work they put in to be there. When you uh, watch the current edition of the team, you must love the the defense this year. I mean, they just got a shutout. They made a statement. I mean, going into the year with all the changes, Riley being gone, um, I was kind of see where the defense. I know when they played BC, it wasn't like uh, the offense could do much, but I was waiting to see what the defense was going to do, especially with a comment made that I have a better chance of winning the Grey Cup in BC. You know, you wanted to see how they were going to take that. And uh, I remember watching the first game, first play was a sack. Second play, sack, but the horse column right. was, a, and they're going good. You know, they're getting the pressure, don't call off the dogs. They made a statement that game. They wanted to make life miserable for him, and they did. And uh, they took it personal. And I'm sure it was up on the locker room someplace. Boys, they don't think we're good enough. He thinks he's better. He has a better chance to win the Great Cup elsewhere. You got to take that personal. Okay, we got to do this again because I have a lot more questions and, and people are, are writing in stuff for Dan Bass. You're, you're still loved by Eskimos fans, as you know. But I'm going to end with this one, and if people listen to the show with any regularity, they know I'm going to the well, but I get some good answers with this one. So I'm going to ask you, who is the greatest player you ever played with? Who is the greatest player you ever played against? Oh, God, that's that's a toughie. Um, you know, I would... It depends as an Eskimo or outside. Let's say in the CFL, yeah. As an Eskimo. Well, as an Eskimo, okay, then I can uh, delete more Moon and things. But you know, there's Tommy Clemens, Dieter Brock. Okay. You know, those are some of the players that I see with it. And uh, what was the other question again? It made me think so hard. Uh, that, so that would have been played against. Yeah. So who was your greatest teammate as an Eskimo? Either side of Larry the- Ruck. Larry Ruck. You know, yeah. I mean, I love watching uh, watching film studying, and he was a classic person. And and you know, uh, he took the game to heart, and and that's the way I wanted. And when I retired, he was the guy that I wanted. Wanted to, to see back in playing in the middle. 
Dan, thanks for coming in. Uh, glad you're doing well with the family and with work, and you're you're still enjoying watching the Eskimos and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I hope we can catch up again. This was awesome. Sounds good. Thank you very much. That is one of the all-time best ever to wear green and gold, Dan Bass, in studio tonight. You also heard from Mark Spector, Trey Roberson, Jordan Blundell. We'll have more to tee up the football battle of Alberta tomorrow. Don't forget the game on 6.30, Ched, on Saturday, 3.30, countdown to kickoff, and it'll start at 5.00. The Argos driving here, but still down six with about two and a half left. Thursday night football. Oh, and that uh, other game is underway. No score, Hamilton and Saskatchewan. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.